Hey guys, welcome to the One and Done podcast, where it's all about young people being successful in business early in life. We're recording today from the Rollo Insurance Studio in College Station, Texas, and we're excited to have y'all with us today. All right, everybody, welcome back to episode number six of the One and Done. Uh, really excited to have our episode today. Today we have Natalia Haddock. She's 22 years old from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and she's the owner of Honey House Media. It's a publicity agency. And they focus on digital advertising, public relations, and growth strategies. So, Natalia, thanks for joining the show today. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, after our first episode with Austin from Fort Wayne as well, I think y'all went to school together, right? Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, so she reached out to me, and I I, I uh, looked at her LinkedIn profile, and we had a great webinar a couple weeks back. And she's, uh, she's 22. She's still in school and uh, running her own publicity agency. She's doing really, really well. So, I thought, you know, why not have her on the show marketing is something we haven't hit on yet. And so really excited about today's show. So uh, with that being said, give everybody just a kind of brief explanation of what publicity agencies do and kind of what your day-to-day tasks and jobs look like. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of it is really um, project management. So I'll have a client come to me and just say, this is my goal. This is my dream. Um, And we really dive deep into what that means and what are the action steps to get there. Um, And then we'll bring in things like uh, public relations. So getting somebody a TV spot, radio spot, um, an article in a magazine, or we'll work on social media management, um, grabbing that organic growth on social profiles. And then other things that we work on are maybe some, uh, some paid media. So we'll push digital ads, we'll work on SEO, uh, and then if they happen to need video or photography assets, stuff like that, we would outsource some of those things. But mostly it's about um, just connecting with people, understanding what their vision and their mission is for either their personal business or their passion and figuring out how to make that really successful. So, we're, you know, you're 22, you're still in school, right? We're doing this in between classes today. How did you get into being a, you know, how did you start your own agency? How did you get into this? So I, I thought about what are some degrees that really match who I am as a person that really refine my skills and give me tools that really fit my hands perfectly. And for me, that was communication. So I actually got into communications um, and started developing understanding what the marketing industry and communications industry is all about. My program at St. Francis was really good at making sure we got experiential learning. So getting out in the field and connecting with people and um, getting some real world experience. So I did a few projects where we actually worked with clients in Fort Wayne and it was received really well. I started managing the social media account of the volleyball team at St. Francis. And that just kind of really took off. People started to reach out to me and ask me, you know, you did really good with this volleyball account. Can you manage our social media account for our business? And once I got so many different people asking me that question, I kind of thought to myself, I'd always had an entrepreneurial spirit in mind about me, but I was like, this is something that could actually be a business. So that is how I really started to get into communications. I love it. It's the best choice I ever made when coming to college. Um, so yes, that that's kind of the story there. That's awesome. So, you know, when you're running those social medias for for those people, what, at what point did it kind of dawn on you that 
man, this is something I might want to run my own business at. And since that point, have you added any more customers and kind of, you know, you're still in school. So is it something to where you're going to be able to walk out of school to be your full-time job? Yeah. So I do really want to set it up as my full-time job leading school. Now going freelance right after school, if you don't have the network to do that, I don't really suggest it for everybody, but luckily I have built that network through a lot of the extracurricular activities I did in school. Um, what point did I figure out that it was a real business? I was actually on a trip with the volleyball team. We flew out to California um, and they paid for me to fly out there. And I was in the air and I was thinking to myself, uh, flying over right into Cali. I love doing this. Like I was just so in love. Um, the previous two years of college had been really difficult. Um, I was just pouring so much time into things that did not serve me and that were not meant for me. And flying into California that during that trip, I had already a lot of messages in my inbox of people saying like, can you do this for my business? And I was like, no, I don't know how to do it like on a large scale. But it was that moment of like realizing I had stepped into something I really loved doing that I was like, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this full time. So I picked up the second client I picked up was actually a woman that uh, was based in New York. She was featured in Forbes magazine as um, a woman leading one of the fastest growing women entrepreneurial networks in New York. So I started managing her social media account, learned a lot through that. Um, and then that led to a social account for a construction industry in Canada. So it was so random. But when I had that person reach out to me and ask me, hey, can you manage my social media account? Had no idea who he was, had no connections to him. Um, and I was just like, whoa. So yes, I'm going to do that for you. Uh, and since then, I have quite a few clients kind of all over the place. And so far, it's going really well. It's growing. I'm adding more things to my agency, um, more offers that we have. So it's not just social media management anymore. But yeah, that was those those formative moments that I realized I really want to make this a business. Absolutely. So it's just kind of taking advantage of opportunity that presented itself to you. And uh, like you said, having that entrepreneurial spirit, I love that. I think that everybody listening to this uh, who's in college and is wondering, you know, they want to run a business. What does it look like? Well, you just take something like social media, right, that not a lot of people know about. You get better at it and you do a good job. And I think people are going to reach out to you. I think that's a that's a really good lesson to be picked up from from this. I had another question. So you you said you went to St. Francis, right? Same, same school as Austin. Uh, how many students go to St. Francis? So bad with numbers. That's why I'm a comm major. Um, but I, I understand think that. like we, <laughs> we have, I think, somewhere around 4,000, but not all of them are on campus. So our on-campus attendance is actually pretty small compared to our online campus. And we're actually a commuter-based school. So we do have dorms and we have a lot of students maybe 50% live in the dorms, but a lot of them commute as well. Yeah. And see, I think that's interesting because you were talking about how you used, how you used your, you know, comm classes there and they really pushed you to get real world, world experience. And I was thinking, you know, people who are, who are younger, maybe listening to this, who are not in college yet. Um, 
I went to Texas A&M, so there's, you know, 60,000 kids that go to Texas A&M, I think, between, you know, freshman through senior year at this point. Is, I mean, I, I was in a lot of small classes. I was an English major, so there wasn't a ton of people in all my classes. It wasn't a you know great degree to get from A&M. Like, nobody really wanted it. Um, but there was probably still 30 people in every class I took. And so most people, right, in the sciences and the maths and things like that, there's hundreds of people. And so it's really, really hard to actually give them real-world experience with that big of classes. So I was going to see if you wouldn't mind talking for a minute about being from a sc- smaller school, how they were able to maybe – tailor their their lessons and their their messages to you guys a little more make them a little more um you know applicable in the real world and how you were able to use some of those those um examples that you just gave about going out and and doing some real world marketing um how that turned into you know you being able to run your business what that did for you that's such a good question and i love that you come from a bigger school because it's an interesting perspective that i didn't get but for a smaller school I mean, in my classes, my biggest classes maybe had 30 people, but most of my classes had 10. So there was a ton of collaboration. Uh, I only have two professors throughout my entire four years that I really connected with. They were the only two professors in the communication program. So I was able to get super close with them. And my graduating class of like comm majors was very, very small. I mean, I think I had like maybe seven seven in my graduating class of comm majors so our group you know it goes together throughout these four years and we actually take classes that build on each other that we're working with each other year after year on the same project and because you have that tight-knit community and you're really close to your professors they're able to spend more time with you outside of class truly figuring out what it is that you want what it is that you desire they're able to connect you with the people that they know so it is very very much more one-on-one in that they can really figure out what you want and who are the people to help you get there. In terms of networking, yeah, my pool of people to network is maybe smaller, but it's more intentional a lot of times. And I get that more undivided attention from my professors. So, and Fort Wayne is also a very small town. They love to help out their youth. There's only a few universities in this in this town so they really connect with university students so that helps too not only was my university small but my town in general is a little bit smaller but yeah I can't imagine going to a huge school and feeling like I don't know like a number I don't know I don't know what that would be like yeah and I think that's interesting too you mentioned you know networking right so one of the one of the cool things about being an Aggie having the Aggie ring is there's 60,000 people that graduate every four years, right, from Texas A&M. There's one of the largest um, student, I think, living populations, like existing student bases um, in in the country. I believe we're the biggest. And so there's a ton of people to network with. Like, uh, I can go through LinkedIn all day and literally not go to another university, just connecting with people. But I think sometimes there's there's positives and negatives to both, and I think it's going to fit different people's personalities. But I liked what you said about getting experience because I think that's something that a lot of times that this podcast is trying to do for younger people is to help them understand, figure out what industry you want to get involved with. Your 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 degree most of the time is not going to teach you about that industry. They're going to teach you about some broad, you know, general sense of business or whatever it might be. So then you have to get your real experience in the real world. What you know, you're you're 22, you graduated, maybe 20 year internship. So I like the idea. I never really thought about it, but being at a smaller school, you might be able to get that in college as well as do what you're doing, which is kind of work on, on top of school to really get a lot of real world, world experience. So you're 22, 
you know, coming out of, of college and you already are pretty experienced in your field. That's pretty, pretty interesting. So kind of getting back on the idea of your industry, right? And, you know, being a publicity agent and marketing and those kinds of things. We talked about social media. What else fits in that category of what you do and kind of, you know, educate some of the people who are listening to this about what that industry is all about. What makes you, what makes that industry an industry? Yeah. So actually when I was first getting into college, the industry was not that big. Um, and as I've gotten and gone through college and the social media has risen so much, it's just exploded. Um, a really hot topic right now that a lot of people probably know about is brand strategy. So helping brands create their story and tell their purpose and connecting them with appropriate audiences. That's definitely like a huge thing that we work on. And a large part of that, that's my favorite thing to do in my business is sit down with somebody and figure out who they are, how they tick, um, who their audience is. Target audience and demographic research is huge in my industry. Um, a lot of agencies sometimes neglect that part of the industry. And you'll see that those are the ones whose ad campaigns really fall short. Um, if you've seen a commercial, uh, if you could think of your favorite commercial, a lot of people talk about Nike commercials or the Dove campaign or um, different commercials that really connect to your heartstrings or they really uh, inspire you. Those are, those are brand strategy commercials. Those are commercials that people are connecting with their audience. So that's a lot of what I do. So I, I might not necessarily go out and film that commercial, but I will create a storyline with you. I will figure out how this fits into your product and your target audience. And then we will outsource that to somebody to do the video. Um, I'll work with the TV channels to get you an ad spot to make sure that you get on the correct uh, place that your target audience is at. I will figure out what are some print materials that can go with that commercial. So that's a lot of marketing stuff that we do as far as publicity goes. Usually that's dealing with more one-on-one -on -one clients. So if you have an Instagram influencer and maybe they want to write a book or maybe they want to create a masterclass, you're figuring out how to grow and scale their brand so that they can make their lifestyle monetized basically. Um, so that's a lot. That's some of the stuff that, goes into the publicity side of things and then obviously like press releases and public relations are huge too so making sure that we're getting you coverage on podcasts and radio and and newspaper and all that so you know you mentioned that your industry has kind of really grown in the last three to four years and i would agree we're both you know around i mean you're 22 i'm 23 so i remember four or five years ago this not really even being a discussion and now now it's the main discussion most people have in regards to anything marketing or branding. What are some of the negatives about your industry and what are some of the positives? Um, one of my biggest pet peeves probably is that there are a lot of, since it's growing so much, there are a lot of almost posers that say, you know, I can grow your Instagram from 500 people to 10,000 people in a month. Okay that's nice. You can maybe grow my social media following, but does that mean that those people are going to be engaging with my posts? Does that mean that, that those people are going to be buying my product? Does that mean that those people are going to be 
active followers or are they just a number on your vanity metrics? That's what those numbers are called, number of followers, likes, comments, shares, those are vanity metrics. So that's kind of like a pet peeve of my industry. Like social media has caused a gap in media literacy and media literacy is actually really important to me. It's an ethical understanding of what media does to us as an audience. So when somebody pushes a heart-pulling commercial, is that ethical or are they pulling on some strings that probably shouldn't be pulled on? Or understanding, is this source credible um, or is it coming from somebody that doesn't really know or have the, the understanding or knowledge basis to talk about it? Or even is there a bias behind it? That's a definite negative aspect of the industry because so many people are focused on growing they don't necessarily take the time to grow the proper way and so they take advantage of people or they use a lot of these um, tactics that other users aren't they don't understand how to see through those so they get taken advantage of a lot positives of my industry however are that it connects people it's very universal uh i have clients in different countries so that's awesome that I can like use social media to connect with people all across the world. Uh, It creates real change. I mean, public relations is all about building relationships that lead to lasting change. It definitely does that. And it's a good and healthy thing and it advances our world. And I do love that about it. It's, It's really about giving people purpose. Another positive of the industry is just that because it's growing so much right now, there's, less barriers to entry so people can get into this industry and make it big pretty fast they can have a lot of success um, early on because it's growing so much right now and there's just a demand for it that does create a lot of competition but if you know what you're doing and you're confident and um, competent then it's, it's a pretty good industry to grow fast in yeah, I think it's I think one thing I want to talk about for just a couple minutes is technically what you're doing is sales, right? And people I, I don't know, maybe maybe you're different, but I know a lot of people who they're like scared to death of sales. But then they'll go into a role like what you're doing, or they'll, you know, they'll go into some type of role where they're basically having value, they're giving that to a client and they're asking for money in return, right? That's that's sales. That's really all that is. So you don't, I don't know if you think about that very often, but is that something that you think about that you're in a sales-based industry and where does the value add in your industry kind of make the difference between sell, selling something versus adding value and, and, and bringing that to customers? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, it is a sales industry. You're absolutely right. I, I'd be hard pressed to find what industries are not in some aspects sales. Sales can make the world um, go around. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess when it comes to, if you're not good at selling, you will not survive as an agency because a large percentage of your work needs to come from the fact that you are going out and getting clients. Yes, clients are going to come to you, but that's because you've been good at selling in the past. I think the difference between like a, a car salesman or a, a clothing boutique or something where these sales are like more transactional is that it doesn't always look like a product for a product. Like it doesn't look like an exact exchange. I'm giving you money and I know I'm getting, 
a shirt that says Nike on it back. The, the difference is that you see it in these sort of intangible ways. So relationships and credibility and reputation. It's not always, when you have that kind of difference between tangible versus intangible sales, you have to make sure that you are being authentic because if you're not authentic, then people look at that as a real ugly way to pitch because they're like, okay, well, I'm giving you this much investment, but what are you giving me back? Right. And if you're promising like, you know, like if you're saying like, oh, you know, people will like you more. That's, that doesn't sound good. Like that's just <laughs> awful. <laughs> um, so I always, I always like to say we're all about authentic marketing to connect people to purposes. Um, and when you help somebody find their passion and their purpose and turn that into a business, the payoff is more than anything they ever invested in. So I think that it's really just about finding that packaged way to explain to your clients or your audience, this is exactly what you're getting out of this. And then backing it up with real metrics that show that that's what they got. That's the important piece of that too, is making sure you're backing it up um, with specific metrics of growth. Yeah, absolutely. They want to see what they paid for at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so correct me if I'm wrong. I think you played soccer in college. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So I'm assuming that you're pretty competitive then. Oh, so competitive. All right. Do you hate to lose or do you love to win? See, this is such a, it's, I know I'm supposed to say that I hate to lose and I really do hate to lose. Like I want to be successful because I want to prove everybody wrong. Like that's when I'm working out or something, I'm like, just go a little bit harder because so-and-so said you couldn't in third grade. Like, <laughs> so I, I do hate to lose, but I'm trying to shift my perspective a little bit because I feel like it's a more positive thing to say, like, I love to win. Because like, your, your publicist would probably tell you that it's brighter and cheerier to, you know, love to win than yes, it is hate to lose. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about branding for me. I'm so much about like, be happy and positive. So I can't, I can't come on and say that I hate to lose because it's not, it doesn't go with my brand. There you go. So, I mean, I, I talk about this with everybody and I've had quite a few um, collegiate athletes on the show, which, which kind of goes to the theme of, of the show is, you know, taking that sports background that literally nobody, a very small percentage of people are going to go pro in something in, in a sport, right? Whether that be soccer, basketball, or football, but in business, almost everybody, 60% of the population is going to go into some type of white collar business. And so how do you, how do you uh, describe using that competition and using that sports background? And how did you use that to create your company? How did you use that to create your career and your industry that you're going to go in? And when you graduate college, I think, was it here in a couple months, right? When you graduate college, mm -hmm. how, how are the things that you've been doing for the last 20 years of your life as far as sports, how did the, how did, what is that built within you um, to be a better person in business? And I'd love to hear your perspective on this too, because this is one of my favorite questions and topics to talk about. Because anybody who has played sports understands that it's such a formative thing. And especially related to my business, it's a lot of that like, understanding of what it takes to be good at something you're not just going to be good at it to begin with and people like to look at the tip of the iceberg and just assume that that success came overnight 
like it's layer after layer practice after practice it's a, a lengthy process to get to that point of success and I like to think of it as if you know you're training your muscles so I to be good at soccer I trained every single day I was in the gym I did two a days I followed a strict plan of exercise and diet and practice so that I could be ready for one game and that's the same thing with business you have to practice you have to hone in on your skills you have to rinse and repeat over and over and over again until you get the exact formula so that when somebody comes to you you can say yeah I'm ready for this rather than somebody coming to you and being like oh hey, can you take me on as a client and do digital marketing for me? And I'm like, I have no idea how to do that. And now I have to promise them something that I can't do for them. A lot of people talk about hustle culture and it's great and you should hustle to get to where you want to go. But so much more of it is preparation, preparation after preparation, being patient until you have the moment to walk into, you know, like I, I didn't start all the time for soccer so I had to prepare all game long until my coach was like Natalia get up and get in there and if I if I hadn't prepared if I had slacked off and not been ready for it then I wouldn't have been able to perform in a soccer game and same way for business you take your opportunities that you get and you prepare for them so that when somebody calls you onto the pitch you're ready to step on and perform yeah I I mean I I agree 100% I think the biggest thing that I take that I took from all the sports that I played leading into business was I just, I, I am the hate to lose person hundred percent of the time. Um, I love the competition of it. And I think if people enjoy competition, I think competition as a culture will drive any sales organization to be better. will drive any service organization to be better. And the reason is at the end of the day, you know, we go to work, we get paycheck, right? If you're in a sales role, your paycheck's bigger based off of how much you perform and how much you outperform other people. And I love that. I absolutely love taking a client from somebody else, right? That's that's fun. That's the competition of it. The same as I liked beating another team in basketball, right? I loved winning. And I think that's the biggest thing that I think a lot of athletes, I love what you said about preparation. I always love practice, right? And I, I still do because you read articles all the time. I'm sure if, you know, you're reading articles and you're looking, what are other people doing to be successful? You're always uh, pressure testing yourself against the rest of the market. But I think the biggest thing at the end of the day is if you are in any athletics how do you turn that into being successful? There's a lot of things you can do. Teamwork, right? Hard work. I think the thing at the end of the day is competition. And if you're able to take that competition that you've been basically building up over the last however long mm-hmm. you've been playing sports, and you could turn that into business, every day you wake up and you have fun. Because if you wake up and you lose, well, guess what? There's another day you wake up and you win the next day. If you win, well, that's great. And I can guarantee you, like, I, you know, I played a lot of basketball growing up. And I probably never had the feeling playing basketball, winning games, winning championships that I ever had selling insurance. And like, like I said, beating somebody else out like that win is just you want to you want to go beat somebody again. Right. Over and over. It's just it's continual. It's repetitive. And I think that's the biggest thing is if you're competitive, you can turn that into being successful. And again, it doesn't mean that I don't like the other people I compete against. I tell them all the time we have fun with each other, joking with each other. I was friends with the people I played basketball against, but. In that moment, right? We're not friends. We we get to compete with each other, and it's and it's a lot of fun to do that. And I think I think a lot of people who played sports have that same mindset that they want to compete against other people. And business is just a great opportunity to do that. So, oh yeah, um, the, the as, sport of life. 
Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you never have to, you know, lose that competitive streak. That's the fun part about it. As we kind of, mm-hmm. as we kind of wrap up today, I want to get to know wh- what made you successful? What made you 22 years old, still in college, started your own business? I want to know how did you take your love for marketing, your love for communication, and how did you turn that into an industry that you're going to spend the rest of your life in? I think the easy answers are obviously like, don't go out and party every weekend when you could be getting better at your craft um, or don't spend your time surrounded by people that aren't as smart or capable or competent as you are, you know, but I think a large percentage of it also has to do with like balance, like find the right balance between work and life. And for me, it was really about the fact that my life and work is seamless. So it's, it's a constant cycle of I do what I love in work and I also do what I love in life. So for me, I couldn't separate the two. Um, And I think that's a big part of being successful is figuring out that one thing that you just can't even, you can't go to sleep until you finish it. Or you don't want to leave the office because you're so excited and having so much fun doing it. And that along with, the understanding of stop putting restraints on yourself. People will put restraints on yourself all throughout college. I had a professor tell me one time, you're not ready for an internship. And I went out and got the internship anyway. Don't just stop putting restraints on yourself because other people tell you that you can't do it. That was a huge thing for me because it was like, why would you start a business while you're still in college? You are a soccer player. You have a job. You are present at a club. You're taking 17 credit hours, what makes you think that you could start a business in there? And I wanted to be a business owner. Like, I just, so I stopped believing what other people said I could and couldn't do. I integrated my work and my life together so that I never, I didn't get burnt out. I was having fun doing what I love. And I stayed away from things that did not serve me. I poured my time into more important things that would have a lasting effect rather than a one and one, I shouldn't say one and done. That's the name of your podcast. <laughs> I, I uh, should not say that. Um, see, this is different PR context. Right no, different, different context. We're good. We're good. Um, so yeah, I stopped spending time on things that did not serve me. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's, a, I think that's a great, Point. And I, I love what you said about find something you can't go to sleep until you finish it, right? Find something because I think at the end of the day, people always have this idea of, oh, well, I want to be in business. And I think part of that is they have the idea of, oh, I love getting $100,000, working from eight to four, going home, having, you know, this big, nice house and what they don't realize. And then they, they end up getting a job, might even be that exact same one I described and they're not happy with it. And then there's other people on the other side of the spectrum who are all about, well, find the job that makes you happy. And I'm I'm of the opinion that you're going to be able to find something in between if if you're like mm-hmm. what we were talking about earlier. If you're competitive, you're going to find something that allows you to fill that competitive drive that keeps you happy, that keeps you up all night trying to fix something or make something work as a business owner, or as an entrepreneur, or even just as, a, as an employee. Um, but at the same time, the work-life balance is what allows you to, you know, enjoy what you do and enjoy, you know, the life that you're able to live as part of the job you have. Um, what makes somebody in your industry and spe- specifically start off quicker than others, right? It seems like an industry, I, I mean, that you've started off very quickly, right? And still in college and have your own agency. 
what makes someone start off quicker than others in the marketing industry? So something that makes someone start off quicker, it's just a good foundation. Again, it's that thing of preparation, being able to say yes to things that come your way because you already know how to do it, or even the understanding of being a lifelong learner. Like if you don't know how to do it, there's going to be that drive to figure out how to do it. It's also a lot of networking. Like I know this is an overused cliche, but it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. That's so huge. And I'm all about like healthy competition. I love that, but I also value so much collaboration. So find people who understand what you do and know how to do it and collaborate with them. Like I said, I don't, I can't, create a video from scratch. I know how that works, but I couldn't do it myself. So I collaborate with somebody that knows how to put a video together so that I can offer my client video production. Um, so that's going to be huge in this industry. You don't know how to do, you don't have to know how to do everything. You just need to know somebody that knows how to do that thing you don't. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's something that helps you, right? It's like, you don't want to do that. You don't have time to do that. Um, you're telling me what you did earlier. I was thinking it's like, you're like basically a general contractor for marketing. You just, you have all these people around yes. you and you're the one who coordinates it all makes it work at the end. Um, I thought that was, thought that was fascinating. But so as we end today, I kind of want to just get to know who, who's your role model. I think the role models have a big, uh, they play a big role in our life. And I know that myself personally being my parents and what they've done and the, the level of sacrifice that they made for me, uh, the amount of work and hard work that they put in and the things that they raised me and taught me. I think that having a role model and, and understanding that, I think goes, I think it plays a big part in what this whole podcast is about, which is how to be successful early on. And I think having the right role model is, is one of the biggest ways that you can do that. So who, who's your role model and kind of what, what did they do to get you where you're at? Right. I am extremely blessed to be close with my family and have two amazing parents. Um, my dad is my best friend and he's extremely emotionally intelligent, but I'm going to have to give the role model status to my mother. <laughs> Just don't send him the because... podcast link. You'll be good. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but my mom, she, she modeled what a working woman looks like for me. She was an inspiration to me because wasn't always the easiest trying to start your own business as a college-aged woman, but it was, again, one of those things where I saw her do it, and I wanted to do it, too. Um, so she's my role model. I'm all about strong women and power to them, and especially working moms. Yeah, absolutely. My mom, she uh, she's mom and, and uh, CFO, so I know exactly what you're talking about, but... Natalia, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. I hope everybody gives this one a listen. I know that um, we will definitely have you back on again in the near future uh, with another, maybe hopefully a panel of, of marketing people. I know marketing, like you said, it's growing like crazy. So we need to have a couple of episodes a year just to just to make sure we get it out to everybody who wants to go into marketing. So appreciate you being on the show today. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And thank you so much. I love what you're doing. Thank you.